Welcome to Evidence-Based Aesthetics. And now your hosts, Kristen and Dr. Larry Group. Howdy campers, Dr. Larry Group. Welcome to Evidence-Based Aesthetics, day one of Quarantine Club at Camp Coronavirus. I'm here with my lovely wife, Chris Group. Hi. And uh, since I'm stuck here for 14 days, we're going to be doing a daily podcast about all things coronavirus. <laughs> Woo! Okay, so I told you I'm especially excited is when I was in dental school, I also had to take one year of uh, public health towards a certificate in public health, which I thought was completely useless at the time. Joke's on me. I get to spend a little time talking about all that stuff I almost forgot. Public health stuff, <laughs> epidemiology, the thrill of social distancing. I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to take social distancing to a whole new level, and be, we're going to be doing anti-social distancing. It's kind of like how we are at home anyway. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so why are we doing this? Well, both of us have symptoms, but we can't get tested because we're an AZ. Uh, we didn't visit China, and we're not on a ventilator, so therefore we don't qualify for testing. Good times. Yeah, but we also, I mean, I've got a tiny bit of a cough. I don't have a fever. I don't have any body aches. I don't have a headache. I could just have allergies. But since I can't get tested to find out if it's allergies or not, it's, we've chosen to distance ourselves from everyone. How is that any different than the other day? It's, <laughs> well, I did, I'm not seeing patients right now. Ah, there you go. I've so got a fever. The only is... thing that <laughs> satisfies is more corona. Exactly. Um, and anyway, we're all actually having coronas woo! during corona. Because we're not corona. working. Woo! So... <laughs> Welcome to Quarantine Club. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to use evidence-based resources to discuss the coronavirus. Uh, we're going to cough a lot. <coughs> That's just part of the Sexy. deal. Sorry. <clears throat> we're going to try to entertain ourselves for 14 days and hopefully edutain you. Woo. <laughs> uh, what else? We're going to debunk myths, bad advice, and weird science. Uh, we're going to... Try to talk about the things that have been put out there. Some of it's good information, a lot of it's not so good information. And we're going to compare it against research. Maybe we could do the 10-second test that Geraldo gave out there, which, can you hold your breath for 10 seconds? You don't have COVID. Or you don't have corona. <laughs> okay. We're going to talk about aesthetics for all of you stuck at home, not seeing patients. We are most definitely, most deaf, whine and complain about silly policies that don't match up with peer-reviewed research. We are going to drink Corona beer, um, and we are going to shamelessly promote our online aesthetic education with coronavirus coupon savings. Ching, ching. Okay, here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to pretend we are experts on anything except Corona beer. That I can say I'm I am many not years expert, of experience. <laughs> I am, not I am an, expert. an expert. I'm an expert in a half of ice and not necessarily Corona. Good time to hear that. That sounded awesome. Okay. We're going, not going to engage in political talk, although we will bring attention to the information and sometimes misinformation disseminated by our government. We're going to not offer unsubstantiated opinions without clearly pointing out it is our non-expert opinion. So if I come up with something or want to put out a piece of information that's my opinion, I'm going to say, in my humble opinion, or imho, and then I'll say what it is. I probably won't use that voice every time because that could get a little bit annoying. Please don't. Okay. And we are going to most definitely not going to disparage others unless they piss us off and then we'll disparage away. Uh, so let's get Quarantine Club started. Let's get it started. Okay. 
So segment one, what are we going to talk about? We're going to do the quarantine questions of the day. Woohoo! Quarantine question one, what is the coronavirus? Okay, so I am going to now use my little resources that I got from cool places like the internet. And when I say the internet, I mean things like PubMed, Google Scholar, things like that. CDC. The CDC. Who? 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 <laughs> More like what? What? <laughs> Um, and then we're going to talk uh, uh, through what the coronavirus is, trying to really dispel the ideas of how things work and don't work, and try to use science to first get it out there and then simplify it down. Okay, so what are coronaviruses? Let's be super technical here. Coronaviruses, or COVs, are enveloped positive sense RNA viruses that are characterized by club-like spikes that project from their surface an unusually large RNA genome and unique replication strategy, okay? That differentiates them from other viruses, okay? Which brings up the question, are viruses alive? Well, there's, there's some disagreement on that. It depends on how you define life. The problem with saying that a virus is alive is that it can't replicate itself without a host. And then for those on the other side who say, well, virus is living because it has the ability to replicate itself, that sort of makes it sort of in the gray area of it's not like a living cell, but at the same time, in the right environment inside a host, it can actually replicate itself. So kind of in between the living and the dead, sort of like a zombie so sort of part of it. It's just hanging out when it goes in, oh, I'm alive. I'm alive. Exactly. Once okay. it's in your body. Coronavirus particles contain four main structural proteins. We do have to go into this just a little bit. These are the spike proteins the membrane proteins, the envelope proteins, and the nucleocapsid proteins. When we're talking about the virus here, we've had a bunch of different names. First of all, we started calling it the Chinese virus, which is sort of disparaging. Now, yes, it did come from China, and there is MERS, which was Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, but we've stopped doing that, and we're calling it for, first of all, we called it COVID-19, making it a coronavirus that was ID'd in 2019, but now we're calling it SARS-CoV-2, which is very similar to the SARS-CoV-1 that we talked about know, a couple years ago. Remember when SARS mm -hmm. came out, sudden acute respiratory syndrome? Mm -hmm. This is now SARS-CoV-2, and it has similarities to like SARS-CoV-1. <laughs> it is 2.0, but it isn't exactly the same. Okay? One of the unique differences discovered between SARS-CoV-1 and SARS-CoV-2 is that the SARS-CoV-2, the one that we're talking about now, spike protein is unique and it is 10 to, 10 to 20 times more likely to attach to human cells than SARS-CoV-1. What do you think that means? It means that it's more contagious. It's more and more infective, right? Infective. And its rate of infection- It's gonna be higher. It's gonna be faster, faster and higher. Okay, very good. Coronaviruses are spherical. Spherical <laughs> means they're round like a ball with diameters of approximately 125 nanometers. That's pretty small. That is pretty small. Because everybody knows a nanometer is a... Billionth? Yes. One billionth <laughs> of a meter. Of a meter? <laughs> this is important to keep this idea of 125 nanometers in mind because we're going to talk about tomorrow. We're going to get into how masks work. Surgical masks, N95 masks, respirator masks. And you decide, does the, do these things work or not work? And how well do they work? But for today, we're just going to say pretty darn small. Most prominent feature of coronaviruses is that there are club-shaped spike projections that emanate from the surface of the virion. One virus, virus is plural, a virion is a single virus, 
Um, I did not know that. They, they give the appearance of a solar corona, hence where they get the name coronaviruses. Within the envelope of the virion is the nucleocapsid. Okay, so let's talk about the basic steps of how a virus infects a human cell, okay? Or a host cell, it doesn't have to be human. Many, many cases now, where did this virus come from? We're gonna get into that. But let's just talk about generic host. We're gonna say it's human, okay? I have taken some research, and this came from, just so you know, this came from an article called Methods in Molecular Biology in 2015. It's called Coronaviruses, an overview of the replication and pathogenesis by Dr. Fair and Perlman. Didn't just pull this out of my rear end. So, well, it's true. <laughs> well, it's good because there's not a lot of toilet paper to clean that stuff. That's right. We're out of toilet paper. After you pulled such dirty information, information out. It's bad information. <laughs> but now it's too much information. <laughs> Okay, again, this is the boring segment of, of the thing if you're, if you're not a nerd like me. Step one, entry. The virus has to get into the body. So how does that happen? We're going to get into this stuff a little bit more as the podcast goes on. The entry is the virus contained in droplets from either airborne or fomite reservoirs. Fomite we're going to get into, what that means. But the virus itself contained in a droplet enters the host when the droplets come into contact with eyes, nose, and mouth. Often, the host facilitates this transfer by touching his or her face with, a hand, with hands that have been contaminated by the droplets containing the virus. So, I can cough right on you, Chris, <coughs> like that, not cover my cough, and, with, and what's the magic distance that CDC's putting out? Six feet. Six feet. How long, we're going to get into, how long do I cough into the air, is the air theoretically capable of infecting me? Well, there's going to be things like how big is the space? If I'm outside and there's wind blowing, I don't know. If I'm inside a very small area, a lot of the studies that were done looking at how contagious a virus is done is done in, in, in indoor spaces because they're looking at things like schools, daycares, nursing homes, and things like that to get a sense of should these things be shut down when a virus shows up? Ah, thank you, you for that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Time to sanitize off. Maybe we'll do like every 20, every so, half hour. Sanitizer break. break. <laughs> okay, cool. It's Corona break now. Thank you very much. Okay, so it has to enter. Now, once it, let's say now they, the virus has entered the body. What happens first? We kind of have to get a sense of this just to get a sense of how viruses work. So when we're talking about later on five days from now, what medicines are being developed and when treatments and vaccines what particular stage that I'm talking about are they trying to interrupt, okay? In many cases, it's very difficult to interrupt the entry stage. That's what we're doing with this social distancing thing, right? But unfortunately, there's not a lot of data about just how long these viruses persist in the air, how long they persist on surfaces. So that's my next thing I'm gonna get into. But for now, let's just say the, the virus is in the body. First thing that's gonna happen, it's gonna bind to a cell. So these little, those little spiky projections, it looks like a puffer fish. They bind to a receptor on the outside of a human cell, okay? And then once, once there's a binding, the next thing that's going to have happen is going to be cell wall fusion. So the wall, the entire cell of the human cell and the entire, you can't really call it a cell, but the entire virus, everything that's contained within its cell wall, fuse. So all the gunk and yucky stuff and the entire thing that's in the virus goes inside the human cell. That is called cell wall fusion, okay? Now, step four, once, this gets a little complicated, but it's, again, try to pay attention because 
What we're talking about is if we get these steps down, we can get a sense of why a particular medicine works. So if for some weird reason, one of your family members during Trivial Pursuit, because you'll be there for 14 days, or one of your patients happens to call up and say, why does this medicine work? You might have a, a, a better educated guess or at least know where to go to find out. Next thing that happens, once fused together, replication and assembly of viral proteins via the translation of replication genes from the virion genomic RNA. What does that mean? What, what does the virus want to do? It wants to replicate itself. But before it can do that, it has to first set up its little motors, its little engines to make the machinery that can make new viruses. So the very first thing it does is it brings its own RNA with it. It doesn't borrow ours yet. And it takes its own RNA, which is the machinery of how you make proteins. That's what translation means, going from RNA to the protein. And it makes the protein structures that are necessary to take over our RNA. So we have what we call the fusion. And then we have, we have to make, the virus has to make the, the motors that make proteins that can take over our RNA. Once those are assembled, then what happens is, is that the complex process and the complex proteins that, 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 that were made now take over our cells' RNA, and then that we're, our cells are used, our cells' RNA are used to actually make full-on virus copies or virions. So one more time, the virus goes into the, attaches to the cell. They fuse together. The virus has brought its own machinery in to make specialized motors that can take over our machinery, okay, which is RNA. Then they take over our machinery and then they use our machinery to make more viruses. Sounds like a sci-fi movie. It is like that. It's invasion of the body snatchers, except on a cellular level. Once that happens is now our body, instead of making proteins like collagen or elastin or keratin or something like that, it's actually making more viruses. It's been told that the machinery has been taken over. All these viruses build up and then our cells release all of these new viruses, copies, into our cytoplasm, right? Or into our interstitial fluid, which is the fluid in between cells. And they travel with that and they infect other cells. And then the process goes on and on and on. So, so it's gonna. It, it, so when he said that, the first thing he thought is, "Oh my God, my collagen and elastin! I'm gonna be hideous exactly. in two this weeks." It's all about what I look like. I've got to get, get back, and and I want my clients are gonna want to be back and make sure they get their their treatments done so they don't look like they've been ravaged. That's exactly by a right. Virus. Okay, so that was the first thing we're gonna talk about. Okay. So we get a sense of how do viruses work? How does the coronavirus work? And in this case, we're going to start calling it SARS-CoV-2, okay? All right, next quarantine question of the day is state and federal government recommendations. What's being put out there? Well, the most famous one, the one that's most up to date so far is the President Trump's federal guidelines that, that are in cooperation with the CDC. So let's look at those. And it's important to understand that these, especially these regulations, are changing sometimes on a daily basis depending on what city, state, if it's a hot spot or not. So this is the up-to-date information on Friday, March 20th. Okay, we've just opened up the President's Coronavirus Guidelines for America. This was updated uh, yesterday, March 19th. Today's March 20th. So let's read it briefly. Um, everyone's probably seen this, I hope. It says, 
Listen and follow the direction of your state local authorities. We're going to look at, we're in Arizona, so we're going to look at them next. If you feel sick, stay home. Don't go to work. If someone in your household has tested positive for the coronavirus, keep the entire household at home. Do not go to work. Do not go to school. Contact your medical provider. That's assuming you can get tested. We're going to talk about that tomorrow, the criteria for what who's allowed to be tested as of March 20th, okay? If you're an older person, stay home and stay away from other people. Sounds like old people anyway. Um, the one I wanted to, to mention was this. Avoid eating or drinking at bars, restaurants, and food courts. And in bold type, it says, use drive throughs pickup, or delivery options. Avoid discretionary travel, uh, shopping trips, and social visits. Do not visit nursing homes or retirement or long-term care facility. Obviously, practice good hygiene. Wash your hands, especially after touching any frequently used item or surface. Avoid touching your face, which... You should avoid touching your face anyway. As an esthetician, yeah? I know, but it's so hard. Like when my eye itches, that's why I've got this tissue so I can itch my eye with. It's really difficult. I'm taught to actually touch people's faces, so it's very difficult not to touch a face. Like right now, I'm doing Like in Face Off? I hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sneeze or cough into a tissue or the inside of your elbow, <clears throat> if you can reach it. I think I have a daughter whose elbows are so short, I'm not sure she can reach the inside of her elbow. I might have to do her wrist. A wrist. <laughs> uh, disinfect frequently used items and surfaces as much as possible. Um, so what would you use, Chris, if you're going to disinfect things that, that we have a ton of? Cool. Uh, alcohol pads? Yeah. We have alcohol pads. We have Cavicide, which isn't great on plastic. So if we you're going to use Cavi Wipe on plastic, what do you do afterwards? You will, First, you get, let it wait um, How long? for three minutes. Three minutes. And then I take alcohol and wipe off afterwards. And so then, you wipe the Cavi Wipe off. Yes. So it doesn't damage the plastic. Exactly. Got and you. then I usually take a tissue drop. Okay. So again, we're on segment one, which <clears> we're <throat> talking about the state and federal government recommendations. Right now, we've just looked at the president's guidelines. Let's now look at the Arizona guidelines. That's the state I'm in, okay? Well, that in a state of confusion, but... Okay, so here we go. Resource 10. What does Arizona want us to do? It says, updated recommendations as of March 19th, 2020. Effective close of business Friday, March 20th, that's today... All restaurants in Arizona counties with confirmed COVID-19 cases, they're still calling it COVID-19 even though we're calling it SARS-CoV-2, uh, are required to provide dine-out options only. So required to provide dine-out options only is the same thing as saying in-dining is pro prohibited. Yes. Yeah, yes, okay. It's just a backwards way of saying that. Uh, effective, effective close of business March 20th. All bars, movie theaters, and gyms in counties with confirmed COVID-19 cases are required to close. But it says with confirmed COVID cases, and the problem is... is yeah, right testing. now, as it sits now, well, we're going to talk about that. That's an excellent <coughs> point. Is I'm looking at the same graphic here. They have a number of t total pe people tested. 331 in all of Arizona, okay? Um, in Maricopa County, there was 22 people confirmed in Pinal County, 10, Pima County, 7. But things like Yuma County, La Paz, Yavapai, Apache, Gila, Cochise, Mojave. No cases, so party on, right? No. No, that's what it says. I know. Unless, it has, <laughs> unless it has a case. It says, this is going to something that's going to affect aesthetic clinicians, okay? It says, halt all elective surgeries in the state of Arizona. Now, they're talking surgeries. They didn't say procedures, so I'm not exactly sure what they mean by that. But I think the guidance is basically saying, if it's elective, don't do it. What do you, what do you take from that? Well, so... 
there's a studio and kinds of elective surgeries here in Scottsdale. There's elective cosmetic surgeries, and then there's elective surgeries that are for a problem in the body, but that doesn't necessarily have to be done right at that minute. Okay. Um, Do you think, well, so that, doesn't that kind of both? Is, are, are they pretty much talking about both of those things? I think they are talking about both of them because it hasn't specified which, you know, to have a, an elective surgery that's cosmetic postponed, you know, it is it is something cosmetic and is elective. Right. And we're talking surgery, though. When we're talking about surgery, we're talking about going into the hospital or some sort of outpatient surgical suite that's going to require some sort of anesthesia and or, or at least some sort of aftercare, right, where you could be come in contact with people who are sick somehow. Do you think, and again, here we go with my, in my humble opinion, do you, in your opinion, do you think this means... I want to get microneedling done. I have a clinician that has no symptoms and I'm a patient or a client that has no symptoms. Is this guidance saying don't get that done? Well, it, no, it doesn't because it's not a surgery. I, I didn't write it the same way. I'm not going to be requiring to go to any patient facility uh, that has sick patients. Um, and in, in a little while, we're going to talk about if you wanted to or, or you were considering still seeing patients, which we're not recommending one way or the other. We're just going to give you the information and let you make your own decision. How would you go about that? But this guidance to me does not say that. Now, if you're using up, because you have to, a bunch of personal protective equipment <clears throat> and the state's in shortage of that, that seems like an issue, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So those are all the things that are, are going to factor in. One of the things I want you to get out of this podcast is we're not going to tell you what to do. We're just going to give the, the information and you as clinicians get to decide what to do. But we're going to at least make sure the information that you get is factual or at least has some basis in research as opposed to strange opinions and weird science that we keep getting uh, from all kinds of sources, the media, like Geraldo Rivera, and we got our own government at one point telling us to go ahead and you got a, you got a Nunes out of California just as early as two days ago telling you, well, now that, <laughs> now that the COVID's sweeping the country, it's a good time to go out to restaurants. You won't have to wait any lines. Uh, and and of course, he walked that back and said he didn't actually mean that. But <clears throat> this is the kind of thing, though, is if you're going to say something dumb, admit that you said something dumb and retract it. Don't say I didn't mean that. You actually full on said, go to restaurants because there won't be any lines. Well, this kind of information is directly in contrast to what the CDC is saying. Well, you've got some news stations out there that a couple of weeks ago said, this is best time to fly now there's like this is a dangerous time to fly and and i understand that the more we know about this the more we will understand and be able to make better informed decisions but even a few weeks ago when we saw what was happening in china and italy and spain it was one of those things that you had to really start thinking about it's kind of like the toilet paper pandemic came before people on some news stations saying hey you're gonna yeah to somehow toilet paper was the uh the canary in the coal mine for what's going on. I just what makes no sense is you have to you know we have some experience with pandemics. We have the flu of 1918, the Spanish flu, which was actually H1N1. Um, we had another H1N1 in 2009. It didn't quite have the same effect. We've had uh, SARS. We've had all kinds of experience with this. Usually, what we get from at least from the World Health Organization, and we would expect from our own government, is abundance of caution not the opposite like let's wait for the worst but go ahead and keep on doing what you're doing they usually say things like don't do anything and then they'll come back later a week later and say well okay now you can do this why don't we come from a position of an abundance of caution as opposed to we don't want to disrupt the economy my stocks or gosh i gotta go to mcdonald's man so anyway 
Let's get back to what the Arizona State is saying. They've tested 331 people. And basically, if you're in a county that where somebody's tested positive for, as they're calling it, COVID-19, which is really SARS-CoV-2, um, they want you to... Um, yeah, keep the, if someone in your family is tested positive for it, keep the entire household at home. Now, again, tomorrow we're going to talk about who gets, who's eligible to be tested because isn't that the issue? If we only have 331 people tested so far as of March 20th. Out of about what, five and a half million? Yeah, that's going to be a problem. We're going to have artificially low rates. And, uh, again, we'll talk about what their, what actual emergency room doctors and the CDC and this Arizona Department of Health Services saying, is the criteria to be tested. That's tomorrow. Okay, so um, recommendation to cancel or postpone mass gatherings of 10 or more people. I don't really think 10 people is a mass, but I get that. So what if it's a gathering of nine people? <laughs> Do they round up? I don't know. But the point of this is what? How does, give me the number 10 versus social distancing. Tell, and I just want people to think for themselves. If, if right now they think that, when the virus hits the acceleration phase, we're in the initiation phase of the virus, and they think that probably two out of three people is exposed, how is the number 10 helpful? Should be the number three, maybe the number two. You know, So I don't really know if 10 is an arbitrary number. The point is, is they're trying to discourage large gatherings, and that does make sense when we're talking about social distancing. Um, what is social distancing? We, we get some strange definitions, but is, is it a, a concept of we don't talk to people. Is it a concept of distance? Um, what, do, what do you make of it? Because we don't really get a real definition. Even from the CDC, they give more of a, of a concept. Well, it's, I mean, to me, social distancing, I mean, you can still talk to people, but maybe talk to them through electronics, phone, iPad, FaceTime, Skype, something like that. It's basically trying to keep to yourself and stay a minimum of six feet away from other people, which I try to do on a daily basis. Anyway, yeah. or use a barrier, talk through a window, those type of things. The thing that I have a problem with this social distancing concept is, is that it doesn't really get, get involved in breaks in ideas of things that we touch. If I hand you something that I've touched, or you hand me something that I've touched, um, that particular item, which we're going to get into after the break, is potentially carrying the virus. So I'm still six feet away. I drop something off for you. We also have concerns about things being shipped from places like China, or, you know, where it's where it originated. Is that an issue or not? We're going to talk about it after the break. So to sum up number two, which was our quarantine question of the day, number two, which is what are the recommendations? We talked about those things, which basically no meetings of more than 10 people, right? Um, if you've been exposed or tested positive for the virus, which how do you know if you're exposed unless you test positive, but assuming you have symptoms, you're going to do what? So we have 331 families. Yeah. That <laughs> basically are, out of five over 5 million. Yeah. Staying at home. Staying at they want home. you to stay home, right? Don't go to work. Don't go to school. If you're already at home, then what are you supposed to do based on these guidelines from the federal guidelines? They want you to stay in your own room, Right. Try not to touch or talk to other people. That are t if there's going to be one, multiple caretakers, have you moved down to one caretaker if you need one? If you get to the point where your lips turn blue or you can't breathe, what do they want you to do? Go to the ER. Now they want you to call the doctor, doctor first. That's the trick. You don't just show up to the facility. This is right out of the guidelines. You have to call first.
call the emergency room or call or the doctor. Either way, you they have don't to answer. Call, yeah, excellent the point. Because the emergency room is kind of busy. But right that now. is the guidance. You have to call first, just so you know. It's coming right out of the guidance. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into quarantine question of the day number three, which is how is the SARS-CoV-2 spread? Okay, our commercial. What do you do with yourself when you're sitting at home for 14 days and can't see patients? Besides drink. Besides watch Netflix. Learn something that will enhance your practice when you get back to work. What would that be, Chris? It'd be one of uh, my classes online. Or my classes <laughs> online. Let's talk about our classes. Okay, we have a number of classes. And we do we have a discount for you today? The Corona Coupon 35% savings. Woo! Can you believe that? Okay, first class, RF Aesthetic Technologies. In Arizona, it's mandated that you take at least some form of training and prove that you took it. Yes. This class qualifies for that. It's been submitted and it's been listed on the site for Arizona. It is a whopping eight hours, a normal price of $2.99 with a Corona coupon, $1.99. And you have to use the words Corona coupon to get the 35 How do they get a hold of you, Chris? Um, How do you want them to get a hold of you? Usually email. Smokescreen, Pigeon, Snapchat? Something that has some Pinafore. social distance built into okay, it. Okay, so email. Email. Want to spell it for them? Yes. Um, Aestheticadvisor at gmail.com. Spell that. E-S. That's E's in Edward, S is in Sam. T-H-E-T-I-C-A-D is in David. V-I-S-O-R. <laughs> wow. E to the com. S to the T to yes. the H Aesthetic to the advisor E. Okay. At Aesthetic advisor at not with an A, with an E. Yes. Aesthetic advisor at gmail.com. Correct. Okay. Next class is the Health Professionals 24-Hour. Tell me about that course. Sounds awesome. What does it that have to do with? So health Professionals with what? Uh, for lasers. Oh, not? It's not going to be HIPAA training? Yeah, or OSHA so training or infection control? No, it would be so boring. Yes, this is awesome uh, and exciting. What is this? This is yes. on aesthetic lasers. It is on aesthetic Ooh. lasers and IPL devices. Okay. Um, so it goes through laser physics, laser safety. How long is it? Um, it is 24 hours. 24 hours of quality online training with yours? Of me. Of you. Okay. And I'm funny. Okay, so normal price, $9.99. Yes. Corona coupon <laughs> discount, six forty nine. That's a steal. Get the heck out of here. That's a steal. Now, one of the things that I had to say, this is for non-Arizona residents if you're trying to use it for the Arizona Department of Health Services. They need to um, call you about if that. If you are an Arizona resident, send me an email. Oh, I'm sorry. They send you an email and you'll explain all the, the yes. procedures, what they need to do if they're Arizona. Yes. Thing. It's not hopeless though, right? No. Excelente. Next class, the 40-hour Basic laser operator course. Who's so, that for? Okay, so the health professionals is for any type of doctor, whether he's um, MD, DO, NMD, or a nurse practitioner. Um, for health professionals, and they also have RNs and PAs. Okay, you're confusing me here. So the let's start again. I'm saying on the 40-hour class, that's for anyone who's not. not yes. And that would be who then? Estheticians. Um, cosmetologists, cosmetologists and people who have no degree right but people with no, no degree at all no but, no they could have a degree just it's not in health but they can't if they're an rn a pa or a doctor they would take the health professional yes. class and if there's another class called medical director they'd email you and you would explain the difference between them yes okay so health professional nurses pas doctors yes 40 hour basic operator class 
you can have estheticians, cosmetologists, medical assistants, and people without a medical degree that like a nurse or above. Correct. LPN, how about that? LPN one? is considered laser operator. They okay, so that, they take the basic course. Yes. So you need a four-year nursing degree. Got yes. it. So forty-hour class for two years and below. Yes. Health professionals for four year and above. Yes. Okay. What does that class entitle? What, what do you get out of that? Well, it's a lot like the health professional class, but it has more information. So um, information on skin and hair anatomy, um, diseases and disorders of the skin, and then all the same um, uh, physics, safety, treatments with different devices. We go through um, lasers, IPL, uh, fractional, Q-switch, all of the different lasers that we use. Awesome sauce. How much that class is normally $9.99? The Corona coupon, $6.49. Okay, next course. Intro to microneedling with yours truly, okay? If you ever were interested in microneedling but didn't want to spend 14 hours looking at my, my mug, you want to take the four-hour intro to microneedling course. Normally, that course is $2.49. Corona coupon, $160. You'll get a lovely certificate if you of achievement if you pass my assessment, which is sort of <laughs> tricky. And that's a four-hour course. Now, the next course is called the Master Microneedling course. It's a 14-hour. It includes the intro and then has four other courses. One's on age management. One's on things like dyschromias, like melasma. One's on acne scarring. And the other one is on surgical scars. scars. So that course normally is $599 Corona coupon, making it $389. Again, get a hold of Chris at aestheticadvisor at gmail.com. Last course available. This is a cool one. And we've had a lot of good feedback on this course. It's the eight-hour online chem peel class. Yes. Now, how does that, how do they do a chem peel online? How is that even going to work? Well, um, so I tell you what products to get, and you're going to actually kind of simulate doing a chemical peel on somebody. And then you're actually going to do one too? I do you're going to show them I'd one, show them and then one. you're going to have, and you're going to have them do one with the simulated product. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. So they get the entire experience without yes. any risk. Yes. I love it. How that course is normally two ninety nine with the coronavirus corona coupon. That's going to be what one ninety nine. Yes. And again, aestheticadvisor at gmail These courses while while we're doing this podcast, which is in the next fourteen days or so. Um, they're going to be the 35% off. Make sure you just mention uh, either Quarantine Club or Corona Coupon when okay. you send your email and you'll get a 35% discount yes. off these courses. Okay, done with our commercial break. Let's get back to our quarantine questions of the day. Okay, quarantine question of the day number three. How is the SARS-CoV-2 spread? Okay, well, this one's interesting, okay? Let's do a little Q Club fun quiz first before we get started on this. What are fomites? Now, here are your choices, okay? Moses, against all odds, led the Israelites into battle against the fomites, defeating them in seven days by the use of a giant golden calf with 12 tribal leaders hidden inside. How big's the calf? Answer number one. It's a huge calf. Huge. Huge. Beautiful calf. Huge. Biggest. Biggest calf ever made. Most golden. Golden. Second, fomites are insects that live in wood but don't actually eat wood, like termites, and thus were named fomites. <laughs> Is that was it more than three? You got fomites. Fo omo. <laughs> Fo show. That'd be fo show mites. Okay. And then the last 
possible answers, fomites are porous and non-porous surfaces or objects that can become contaminated with pathogenic microorganisms and serve as vehicles in transmission. I'm going with number one. That's the most fun. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about fomites, okay? We're going to get into how the, the science of, of transmission has a lot to do with how the, how the virus is spread. When we looked at the guidelines, they were talking about in one way that the main cause of transmission was aerosol contact between someone coughing <clears throat> or sneezing and getting those droplets on you. And to a lesser degree, according to the guidance now, the federal guidance, touching a surface that's been contaminated with said droplets. So the idea is, is how long do does a surface stay contaminated after it's been coughed on, sneezed on, whatever you want to say. And, and, and here's a new point that just came out the, uh, yesterday. Um, they looked, they didn't think that the, the virus actually came through fecal matter, but now they realize now that they've tested the, the feces and they found that the COVID-19 or the SARS-CoV-2 persists and lives and survives, if you will, through the di digestional tract and is still active in your poop. Bad deal. Shit, eh? That is a shitty thing. Okay, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, let's talk about fomites. I'm going to look at my resource number four here. I love to use research to talk about this stuff as opposed to just winging it. So let's look at some cool research. Okay, this is a review done in Applied, Applied in Environmental Microbiology in 2007. It was called The Significance of Fomites in the Spread of Respiratory and Enteric Viral Disease. This is done by Drs. Boone and Gerba, uh, University of Arizona. Woo! Go Wildcats. It is Wildcats, yeah? Okay, yeah. good. Okay. I, it's a long article, but I'm going to read you the most important piece of the article. That At least I want a, a reference. Fomites consist of both porous and non-porous surfaces or objects that become contaminated with pathogenic microorganisms and serve as vehicles in transmission. During and after illness, viruses are shed in large numbers in body secretion, including blood, feces, <coughs> urine, saliva, and nasal fluid. What's the problem with saying the word urine? Doesn't everyone sort of being taught that urine is sterile? Yes. Well, it's sterile for things like bacteria in many cases, but because viruses are so small, the glomerulus, that's the little area in our kidneys that filters blood and allows particles to get through to be excreted, because viruses are so small, they can get through that. So we actually can shed the virus through urine. So don't be peeing outside, boys. Nope. Maybe none of that stuff. Peeing and spitting, bad. Okay. Fomites become contaminated with virus by direct contact with body secretions. We talked about those. Generated via talking, sneezing, coughing, vomiting, or contact with airborne virus that settles after disturbance of a contaminated fomite. Hmm. Once a fomite is contaminated, the transfer of infectious virus may readily occur between inanimate and animate objects, which means non-living and living things, or vice versa, and between two separate fomites if brought together. So I could take money, sneeze, I can sneeze, take money out of my wallet, hand it to you at the drive-through, have you take my money with your bare hand, put it in the cash register, 
hand me my food, and then I have an itch on my face, and now the person who's at the drive-thru has just been contaminated with the virus. Is that a likely scenario? Absolutely. We're going to talk about it. Okay. So that's why I wanted you to get out of this one article, okay? Now, <coughs> we're going to stay with this a little bit, too. So we're going to talk about how long now do these... Sanitizer break. Oh, sanitizer break. Cool. Thank you. Thank you very much. How long does the coronavirus or the SARS-CoV-2 persist on a surface? Well, they've done some research on that, so let's bring that one up. We want to be specific to this virus, okay? So we're going to look at resource number seven, which is called virus stability on surfaces, okay? Okay, this was done on March 17th. It was done in, uh, I don't know, a rinky-dink paper called the New England Journal of Medicine. <laughs> so it tends to have some credibility, okay? This was a letters to the editor. They didn't even have time to go through the whole editing process. But what will happen is you have some people who got together and said, we should probably check this out. It says, a novel human coronavirus that is now named Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2, SARS-CoV-2, formerly called HCoV-19, emerged in Wuhan, China in late 2019 and is now causing a pandemic. We analyzed the aerosol and surface stability of SARS-CoV-2 <coughs> and compared it with SARS-CoV-1, the most closely related human coronavirus. Now, my old eyes here are having a hard time reading this, so what G unit's going to do here is make this a little bigger. Sweet. Now I can read it. Okay. Basically, what I want you to get out of this is this. SARS-CoV-2, what we're talking about, was more stable on plastic and stainless steel than on copper and cardboard, and the viable virus was detected. Now, when I say viable virus, that means it still has the ability to infect another person was detected up to 72 hours after application of these surfaces, three days. Not the virus remnant that can infect somebody, the viable virus. So what we're saying is that I can cough or sneeze on my credit card, put it on my wallet, okay? Bring it out two days later, hand it to the drive-through person. They can touch it, swipe it, give it back to me, pick their nose, and they can have the capacity to get infected with SARS-CoV-2. Do you think you could take your, let's say you sneezed on your card, and your card's infected, and put it into one of the swiper things, have the virus be inside that swiper thing, and the next person that puts their card in, pull it out? I'll let you answer that based on our last thing when we talked about having two inanimate objects, two fomites come together. <coughs> was there readily transmission? Did it say there was? Yes. It did. Because I've been wiping my credit cards off. Because all you have to do is disturb off. it. What do you mean by disturb it? It has something to abrade it, agitate it, move it, touch it, and it comes off onto the other subject. It doesn't kill it. It just goes from one sub substance to another. Because the virus is coated, it has its own little special coating. Remember I talked about those four proteins? One of those, one of those proteins is a coating that protects it. And it's also encapsulated in either mucus, which is super helpful, or saliva, it's protected. It's so tiny, okay, that it's protected. The droplet is giant compared to that. So when I touch one droplet to another, if you're, you ever watch what a paper towel can do, you can put a paper towel and it'll actually moisture wick water in a little puddle that's on the side of it, right? Mm -hmm. Anything that's in that moisture, in, in, in a droplet, is going to get picked up by that. So porous things versus non-porous things. They're saying that non-porous things are better at keeping the virus alive longer, but por but but porous things still still have some transmission to it, okay? 
So we're going to go through this just a little bit. So we just talked about the fact that 72 hours, right, on that. And let's get to the next piece of this exciting stuff, which is basically on cardboard, no viable SARS-CoV-2 is measured after 24 hours. No viable SARS-CoV-1 was measured after eight hours. Why is that important? Because we get packages delivered all the time, especially since we're social distancing and staying in our homes. Amazon is at our house or at our business all the time. But SARS-1 had eight hours <clears throat> and SARS-CoV-2 had 24 hours. Yeah. So SARS-CoV-2 three, persists three times longer than SARS-1. And if anybody remembers SARS-1, it was pretty bad, right? Okay. So anything else that we need to get from this? We're just talking about how long these things persist. This indicates that differences in the epidemiological characteristics of these viruses probably arise from other factors, including high viral loads in the upper respiratory tract and the potential for persons infected with SARS-CoV-2 to shed and transmit the virus while asymptomatic. This goes directly against the guidance that was put out by the president saying that we, to a much lesser degree, people that were asymptomatic were transmitting the virus. You had to be sick to transmit the virus. That was the most common form. This research says, no, you're just as likely to have a high viral load and be asymptomatic because what is the viral load time for the, for the time you're infected with this particular disease to the time you can start, the average time you start showing symptoms? I'll read about that. It's about five days. That's the average time. Some people want as long as 11 days before they showed symptoms. And some, I think, was two. And some was two, exactly. But the everyone looked at, at different patients. We'll get to that research. So if I'm in five, what about on day four? I'm, am I symptomatic yet? Maybe, maybe no, not. No, no, I'm saying on, on an average. I'm taking the average person. Am I symptomatic on no, day four? Day but what is my viral load like? It's huge. It's huge. 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 Beautiful and huge. Biggest load ever. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that this research, and we're going to talk about other research, is saying that, wait a minute, stop telling people that you have to be sick to transmit this disease. You can be asymptomatic and transmit this disease. That should change, we, sh we hope it would change, what the policy is, right? Mm -hmm. The policy of what you should do. Don't get tested. Do get tested. I don't know. It, 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 does it affect testing? I don't know that. I don't know the answer to that. Should it affect testing? Well, not, my problem with testing that we're going to talk about tomorrow is, is that if we have certain guidelines in testing that says you had to have visited China and you have to be on a respirator, you have to be sick enough to be tested, then we're not getting a true extent of the disease. So then, we, so then we're no longer doing things like containment, right? Because we don't know where to contain it because we don't know where it is and who has it. Other countries are doing this differently, okay? We listened to Dr. Fauci, who basically said our, the way that we run our testing and thing is a failure. That's how we characterize it in Congress. That was the day after we said we're doing a beautiful job. The difference between failure from the guy who's probably the leading authority in epidemiology and a leader of the free world saying, one said we're doing a beautiful job and then the next day we're a complete failure, it's probably somewhere closer to the guy that probably knows more about epidemiology than just anybody else would be the experts. So I would hope that we listen to people from the CDC as opposed to political figures who are deciding about things like research-based, evidence-based topics like transmission of, in this particular case, SARS-CoV-2. Okay, our results in this is the last piece I'm going to read from this and we're going to, we're going to move on. It says, 
Our results indicate that aerosol and fomite transmission of SARS-CoV-2 is plausible. Since the virus can remain viable and infectious in aerosols for hours and on surfaces up to days. Any idea? I didn't read it, but this research was saying that the, vi the virus can stay aerosolized in the air for a period of how many hours? Is it two? It's three, three, two to three hours. So what does that mean? What are they saying? This I is, can that's cough. That's one of the scariest things of all because somebody can be walking down the sidewalk or running, going for a jog down the sidewalk where I was watching somebody earlier today. They can cough. And somebody could go through that area two hours to three hours later and get infected. See, I would say that's less likely, Chris. I would say because that in an outside area, when you have wind blowing and air, air, a lot of air, okay. it's going to disperse. I would say it's more likely this. Someone comes to your office, uses your bathroom, okay? Tiny little enclosed area. They cough <clears throat> and they sneeze. They leave the bathroom. You go in that bathroom 15 minutes later. Is that aerosolized? Yes. contaminant in there and Could it's only be. been 15 minutes and it's an enclosed area that's not being ventilated i believe that this guidance and, and this research is should be more important for closed indoor areas so do i think it's a good idea that we don't go to restaurants movie theaters um things like that yeah but we're very shortly going to talk about things like the the, the idea that we have to do we should be doing drive-through service let's talk about what happens with drive-through okay here we go Let's talk about uh, a little bit more about persistence. We're going to use one more research article because I like to use as many research articles as possible. Because you're persistent. Because I'm a persistence about persistence. Okay. This one was done by the Journal of Hospital Infection. They might know something about hospital infection. It says they have an entire journal associated with it. Doctors Camp, Todd Fander, with a Fander, PF, and Steinman. It's called the persistence of coronaviruses on inanimate surfaces in their, in their inactivation with biocidal agents. It's basically saying, how do you kill this stuff? What does it take to kill this stuff on a surface? Okay. So what do we want to look at here? Hmm. My main point about this stuff was this, is that they found that they looked at persistence of coronavirus on different types of inanimate surfaces. Okay. They were using in this particular one, SARS-CoV-1. Now, didn't we just show through the other article that SARS-CoV-2 had a persistence of three times longer, okay? But we're just going to talk about SARS-CoV-1 right now based on their research. This was done, this was a meta-analysis of other people's data, okay? So this took a lot of data samples, and this is done by people who do the, just this for a living. Look at hospital surfaces and decide on stainless steel, how long does it live? On aluminum, how long does it live? On metal, wood, paper, glass, plastic, blah, 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 okay? I'm just going to read you a couple of these things. SARS-CoV metal, it li lived for five days. This is SARS-CoV-1. On wood, four days. Paper, four to five days. Glass, four days. Plastic, less than five days, greater than 48 hours. PVC, five days. Silicon rubber, five days. A surgical glove, up to eight hours. It lives on the glove for up to eight hours. Disposable gown, two days. Ceramic, five days. Teflon, five days. Okay, this is SARS-CoV-1, and we were showing that SARS-CoV-3 from other research, I'm sorry, SARS-CoV-2 from other research was three times as long. So do we have to multiply it times two? Maybe not. Let's not do that. Let's just use the SARS-CoV-1 as a worst case scenario. What do you say? Does that seem reasonable? What was the longer paper? The other paper was done by a different- No, 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 how long does it last on paper? On paper. 
four to five days. So wouldn't you think the paper would be close to cardboard? Um, it depends on how porous cardboard is versus how porous paper is. Paper is more porous than cardboard. The issue is, is that what is money made out of? Paper. Okay. And, and coins as well, right? Mm -hmm. what, is, what are credit cards made out of? Plastic. Plastic. Okay. Plastic was about five days. Paper was four to five days max, 24 hours min. Okay. Okay. So now I want to talk about money and credit cards as fomites. Okay. I'm going to make a reason, reason for this. So we have this, this recommendation to do drive-through, right? We're going to do drive-through food. And we're going to use our money to pay for this. Okay. I don't know. We're going to talk about last night, Chris and I had the adventure of going through the drive-thru and I recorded it. Just to get a sense, I'm going to have Chris tell you the story. But first, let's talk about, is there any research to show that money and credit cards act as fomates? Well, lo and behold, there is. Let's find that. Okay. We are now going to look at some research. Dr. Sanjay Magarwar, chair of the George Washington University School of Medicine's Department of Microbiology, Immunology, and Tropical Medicine, told CBS Money Watch. Now, just because he told CBS Money Watch doesn't mean he's not an expert, right? I would assume that someone who's a professor of the George Washington University School of Medicine probably knows what they're talking about. He says, the belief is that these viruses can stay on surfaces in their full active states for at least 10 days. Now, we just talked about exact numbers from a different article that said four to five days in some cases, eight days, depending on the material. We're talking about money, which we saw was a minimum of 24 hours, maximum five days, right? Mm -hmm. Paper money. Okay. That includes, he said, that includes cash and all kinds of other surfaces that people normally touch. So certainly with coronavirus, cash handling is a concern. Now let's talk to an, a lesser known agency <coughs> called the World Health Organization, okay? They say, it is good hygiene practice to wash your hand after handling money, especially if eating or handling food. Droplets can live on surfaces, including subway seats and dollar bills. Just dollar bills, y'all. 20 ain't gonna have no corona. Nope. <laughs> it seems like it could be a path for transmission because it's something people commonly share and handle, said Jeffrey Shaman, professor of Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health. So mailmans are getting degrees in public health? Very cool. Um, what's important to get out of this is that we need to treat money like a fomite. We need to treat credit cards like a fomite and realize that if you're infected, we don't think about that. We think about, we want to put our gloves, we go to the hospital, we go to the doctors. We want to put our masks on. As providers, we put masks on and we wear personal protective equipment, which, which is a focus of tomorrow, by the way. Um, when we're seeing patients, we should be doing that now. We should be doing that anyway, right? Because we don't know who has an infectious disease and who doesn't. But for the purposes of coronavirus, or in this case, SARS-CoV-2, um, the recommendation from the president and from the CDC is you don't need to wear a mask unless you are <clears throat> sick. And how do we know if we're sick or not? You can't be tested unless you went to China or on a ventilator. So if you have symptoms, you don't. you may or may not be sick. Who knows, right? So does that guidance particularly help? Not to me, it doesn't. Or if you're a healthcare professional. As a healthcare professional, they want you to wear masks when you're seeing patients, okay? Mm -hmm. But then at the same level, in the same page of guidance is saying, go ahead and go to, stop, stop all restaurants and movie theaters, which makes sense to me, but go through the drive-through, okay? Let's talk about last night's adventure. <clears throat> well, somehow you talked me into going and getting a 
Shamrock Shake at 9.30 at night, which... Hey, those things are darn good, man. I know. We got the last two, apparently. So then that kind of worried me. Um, and, and basically, this came from uh, one of our staff going through a coffee shop drive through and... This was the same day? Yes, but earlier in the day. Um, and as she went through, she's watching, there's probably about 20 cars in front of her, and they're all signing the little tablet. So they're handing the them an cards. iPad to sign their name to? Yeah, it? whatever, tablet, I don't know what kind it is. Okay, but and, something like and that. And so, and you sign to the same place on that tablet all with your the finger. time with your finger. And when she got to the front of the line, she's like, um, I'm not touching that because it hasn't been cleaned. And the, the person looked at her, was like, like confused almost, like, why would we clean that? But the whole point is, Anybody in that 20 or hundreds of people before, and who knows when this pad or this tablet has been cleaned off, if ever, has deposited in the same area where they're signing whatever's on their finger. Exactly. And then you're going to put it down, and then you're going to take a drink or a bite of something, let's say you get a sandwich, and now your finger touches that sandwich, and then you eat that, now it's in you. That's right. And these are things that people aren't thinking about because our guidance is to go, go that the route. Go through the and and then deal with it that way. So last night we went to a um, fast food place and we got in line. There was just one person in front of us. And I already had my wipes with me, by the way, and, and everything else because I am already have been wiping down my credit cards and stuff before I put it in the little swiping machine and when I take it out. Um, and I'm also wiping off the keypad that I'm putting in my debit card. Well, with. yeah, let's talk about the person in front of us first. So the person in front of us orders two ice cream cones. Um soft serve and when the person in the window well, first they hand them their money well they first hand they them hand cash. their money and then they get their cash back but they handed them cash with bare hands you gotta you gotta go through the no, steps well, here okay i'm just i'm assuming no no but we, we have to All talk right. about the routes so of transmission they hand them money with their bare hands they get change and they, handed and back they, to and they, them and the person accepts it with <clears> their bare hands yes and then they give it back to them i'm watching them type into the cash register how much cash they put on with a finger on a cash register that's flat and has looks filthy but it has like different colored buttons with a plastic screen over it mm -hmm. cash register opens they put the cash in the cash register shut the cash register go to the soft serve machine which is right by there and so when they handed the cones over, the cones, you know, usually they have like little paper cup things that go on the bottom of the cones um, so their fingers don't touch it. Well, they didn't have those. So they've got their bare fingers that had just handled money and for how many other people before them. Hand them two cones with their bare hands and these people take these two cones with their bare hands and I'm assuming that they ate them. And if we all know about the little sugar cones or the little wafer cones or whatever they're called, we eat the entire thing because quite frankly, they're delicious. Um, but whatever was on that person's hands, it, to me, it's like a can of taking the burger out of the wrapper, grabbing it with your hand and holding it over to you because it's the same thing. Well, it's disgusting the fact that it's a sugar cone, but a sugar cone is probably porous. So then we get in, that person leaves and then... We get there. We hand them our credit. You hand them the credit card. Yes. She takes it with her bare hand. Yes. She she swipes, swipes it, it. Hands it back to Hands me. it back to you. Goes to get make your shamrock shakes, which are plastic cups. Touches them with the same hand she touched the cash register and the swipe and your card with. Yes. And then hand, makes the shakes, puts the lids on the shakes, hands you the shakes in the, in the plastic. And you grab the same plastic she just grabbed. And I think you touched fingers at one point. No, that was the people with the cones. Okay, you were darn close to touching fingers when you grabbed that. Her fingers were on top of yours, and yours were right below it, but you were really... Yeah, it was like that. It was like the... Who was like the, Michelangelo. It was. 
was really close. It was really close. But <clears throat> then we wiped down, then we pulled forward, wiped I'd down wiped our, down our, our cups, cups. Wiped. I wiped my credit card. I wiped down the cups. Everything that came in contact with her wiped my hands again. How close were you? Your, how close was your face to her face? Well, okay. So it was probably about th- minimum three feet because well, my arms. The, no, closer than that because when we first pulled up, she leaned her head forward a little bit. Yeah, so probably two and a half About feet. two feet. And you're at the same height because we, we're in a tall car. Yeah. So, so that's I'm, so I'm much violating the six-foot six foot rule. rule. And you're breathing and talking the whole time. Did you cough at all? No. I did. You're in the back seat. I know. I'm just making a point. I'm in the meantime that this is going on. I'm watching a young teenage worker change the garbage. I can see him. And I have this recorded oh, on my phone. So change the garbage. Well, he's got gloves on. He takes the gar- the garbage out, wraps the bag up. He takes his glove off, puts it on his mouth, and blows it up so it looks like it's like, a rooster. The, like it's a rooster, and ties it off and starts playing with it. It's so disgusting. He puts his mouth on the glove that had just touched the garbage Which, with all the people had touched all of that stuff. With, with Even if this virus wasn't going on, that's disgusting. Yeah. Just, what? what? Anyway, that's the gross. point of that is this is just the, the three, three and a half minutes I'm in the drive-thru, right? Yeah. So again, I just want you to think for yourself, the guidance given by the federal government, the president's guidelines and the CDC saying no more restaurants, but go through the drive-thru. When you go through the drive-thru, think about the routes of transmission, fomites, money, people's bare hands touching your money, touching the cash register, touching machinery, touching the garbage, touching everything else, then touching your food. And the fact that you're way within the six-foot distance as you're talking, what if one of the people working the cash register at a busy drive-thru was on day four, high viral load but not symptomatic yet? You How many people would they hundreds, infect? Hundreds. If only the drive-throughs open. <clears throat> so I'm not. Does, does this t- tell you to panic and not do things? I don't know. It just makes us think about though. Why aren't we using the research to direct the policy of what we do? Then you're. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to get pushed back on this. And well, what are you supposed to do? Well, all right. I'm not going to go through the drive-through. I can prepare food at home, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't have to have that face-to-face transmission because which would be worst? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Going to get a microneedling treatment where my provider has me as the only client. Thank you. <coughs> has me as the only client. And the provider's wearing a properly fitted mask and PPE. <coughs> I, I don't have any symptoms. My provider doesn't have any symptoms. I get a microneedling treatment and go home. That's theoretically considered to be a bad thing to do. But it's much better to get in my car. Hands, drive through a drive through where who knows how many people were in front of me, hand my dirty money and my dirty credit card to someone who's two feet away from me who has just seen hundreds of people, have them touch everything in the place, hand me, touch my hands as, as I tr- transmit the money back and forth and or the credit my card, handle my food, and then keep going. <clears throat> that, that makes more sense. So I just, again, this is where in my humble opinion time, I personally don't believe that, that guidance is great guidance and stopping the transmission of this disease. It ignores the fact that people can transmit disease when they're asymptomatic. It ignores the fact that contrary to the guidance, fomites have this almost the same level of transmissibility, especially in, in, in recent frequent contact, like something like you pull a dollar bill out. How many people have touched the damn thing prior to me? 
Or if you're handed a bag with food in it and that bag, that food is wrapped in a paper and that paper and that bag are porous. How about delivery? Grubhub guy shows up. <laughs> the pizza guy shows up. He uses the same pizza bag to keep my pizzas hot. He uses his bare hands to unvelcro it at every time he, he takes the money from me. He hands me the pizza. He's face to face. He doesn't sit the pizza and run. He doesn't ding dong deliver. <laughs> Uh, so again, these are the things that we need to be considering and talking about and thinking about when we create policy and then disseminate that policy to America and then wonder why transmission. No, we only have 312 cases. No, we have way more than 312 cases because you can't get tested. And that's tomorrow's conversation. Well, I think even if it's this isn't changing because this is not going to change policy, letting people know, basically be aware and conscious of the fact that if they go through a drive through this is what they're going to encounter. So instead of having it go just the normal way, bringing your wipe so you can wipe things well, how down. How about mobile wipe orders? Wipe. Like they have apps on, on McDonald's. I'll give an example. I use McDonald's app. I like McDonald's, okay? I can order food in a McDonald's app. I can touch my own phone. The payment's already done. I can drive up in my car and they can bring me the food. Yeah, they're still within... They're within six feet of me for a minute, but they can just grab my food and go. I don't have to have a conversation go back and forth with them. Well, they can Doesn't also, that make more sense yes, than the drive-thru? They can wear gloves they could be wearing and they gloves. can switch out They could be gloves. wearing a mask. They could be doing any of these things. They could sit the food and bring it on a cart. Walk away from the cart. Let me get my food. Go get the cart like they used to do in, in drive-up bar, uh, bar hops. You remember those things? Drive-up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can bar sit, hops. What were they Car called? Hops. Car hops. <laughs> Car bar hop. One of those hoppers. Anyway, my point, before I was so rudely interrupted, no, uh, it was a good point, actually, is that there are ways that we can use technology and there are ways of guidance. So why don't we just think through that stuff? Tell people to use their mobile app and things like that. I'm not saying it breaks the entire cycle, but it cuts down several of the it routes and transmissions. Of That's all I'm saying. And most people are going to pay with a credit card anyway. Pay ahead. Use the um, app. Yeah, so do that. And then the, the restaurants need to start using disposable gloves and they need to switch them out. That's right. Well, at, and tomorrow we're going to talk about PPE. You done with PPE? You know me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Segment number two, we're going to stop talking about the ins and outs of this virus, uh, of how it works, what it does, how it transmits in some different policies. And let's talk about interesting things like with the elective procedures being discouraged, what can aesthetic clinicians do, number one, to engage patients and number two, to further their careers? Let's talk about number one first. What can we do? Patients are probably canceling all over the place. Your patients have canceled. You've no, also canceled more patients. I canceled my patients. Why did you cancel your patients? Well, um, <clears throat> because I've had a little bit of a cough the last couple of days, and I didn't feel comfortable not knowing. I said, it's probably just allergies because it's allergy season out here. Um, but I don't know. And since I don't know. Why don't know, you go get tested, Chris? <laughs> no, really. Because I haven't been to China. I haven't been to China, Larry. And you're not on a ventilator. I'm not on a ventilator. So therefore, and, you're not eligible. And I, At this and point, I, as of no. March 20th. And you are not eligible. Say, no, and I don't have a fever. You have to call your doctor. Your doctor will make the decision based on what? Those guidelines. Those guidelines. There and might be a doctor you could probably cajole into doing. What happens to the doctors who break the guidelines? How much trouble are they get in? They actually are, are they're they're getting, getting a lot. <coughs> Excuse me, hammered for this. Let's give a quick uh, story about someone who, you, you told me the story last night. Oh, there was a doc in uh, Illinois. 
I believe. And I read an article on her, and she had two patients. Um, one had recently traveled to China and had a fever. The other one had a toothache and was asymptomatic besides that. She was older, but she had a toothache. And chest pain or something? No, no. Was it no, respiratory-related at no, all? No, no. She just had a toothache. And the doc thought it was... Something out of the ordinary. It was like one of those little spidey senses things that she thought something was wrong. She did actually test for she test both, both of them. patients. The patient who traveled to China was negative. The one with the toothache was positive. Now, this is anecdotal and not research supported. It's just an anecdotal evidence. Yes. But, it, but the point of this is, is that well, how did they treat that doctor for sending the toothache she person? She got so much shit. Like, the, the, the county Even was though the person like, came yes, up positive. Was like, well, why would you why test would you her? Test she, was, she wasn't on the, we uh, don't the want guidelines. That one. And it's like, well, okay, so now you've got somebody that, in theory, shouldn't have been tested, but who is positive, that if she doesn't know that she's positive, is going out and infecting more people. Here's what I don't understand. As clinicians, especially as doctors, we're given the power to diagnose based on our training and skill and judgment, right? I can make decisions, life or death decisions sometimes. Most of the time as a dentist, I tend to make things more like, how white do you want your teeth to look? <laughs> but there are other times, you know, we do things like throat cancer and things like that. But how about surgeons or people that are working in a hospital, ER, people like that, people who make real life and death decisions. It should be up to the doctor. Don't let you make those decisions, but you can't make a decision whether, whether or not someone test. needs this test or not. Who's got more experience or training? The White House Commission? Years of experience. Versus someone who's in the field doing this day after day, who's who's had to deal with H1N1, influenza, SARS, all the other crap that's come through here. Who knows better than you people? That's but yet true. you're told what you can and can't do. And if if even if you make the right decision and you and you find a patient who didn't have the go to China, been on a ventilator, and turns out to be positive, you're going to take crap for that. I have a real hard time with that. Yeah, it's it's true. It's basically taking the power away from the doctors to. Um, do what they've been trained to do because of a guidance document. Okay, that's tomorrow anyway. Mm -hmm. I got on the sidetrack. That was my rant and rave for the day. Just one? For today. You're walking out. Okay, so back to engaging patients. What can we do? We're sitting there. Our patients are sitting at home. What's a couple strategies to keep the ball rolling? We don't want to forget about us. At the same time, patients want their skin to continue to look good. Give me some suggestions. Um, so you can sell them products. Um, we mean sell them products. Sell them, so they're usually coming into you for not only treatments, but also for products. Like for home care skin. products? Yeah. So the, the home care regimen. They're going to yeah. still need their home care regimen. Exactly. They, so if they're not coming in to see you and they're not getting treatments, they need to make sure they're staying on their home care exactly. regimen, Exactly. Right? It's going to be even more important for them to be on their home care products because they're going to be taking a, a lapse in seeing you. So that is incredibly important. So how would you do that? Well, so what most people are doing are either a contact, depending on how big your patient list or client list is, um, on their Instagram stories, um, on their Instagram page, on their Facebook page, they're uh, texting them, they're calling them up. Yeah, why not um, send them an email? Could you send them a video? You could you could do any of that. Could you send them a sample of, of a product that they're not currently using that might be therapeutic or at least uh, preventative? You could do anything you want. But I mean, does that make sense? The whole is thing engaging is to the engage the patient. And one, you need to kind of let the patient, you know, let your clients know what's going on and why you're doing it. And why are they, you might want to answer, why are they not coming to see you? What's the issue for that? Well, because one of the things is like what I do is elective. So is it really desperately It's a risk-benefit ratio, yeah. right? Is it, is it, she gets her underarms lasered. Is it that important that she does it that that's the risk and benefit. Yes. The benefit does not overcome the risk. <clears throat> no. So in these elective procedures, it's difficult to make the argument 
that the risk benefit. Now, if we had a way of lowering the risk and keeping the benefit the same amount, but the problem that we have, and we have to think about this, is that we really should be using PPE all the time, but especially in this, this SARS-CoV-2, we need to be wearing PPE that we change out. Because remember, on the mask, it, it can persist eight hours on the mask. So mm -hmm. well, we're going to get into PPE tomorrow. But my point is, is that we're going to be using up a lot of personal protective equipment and there's a shortage of it. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the selfish piece that you really have to think through. Do I want to be using up personal protective equipment that could be otherwise used for people that are using and doing, doing procedures healthcare. dealing with, with the COVID-19 or the SARS-CoV-2? Yeah. And, and so that is one of the things. But then I had a client of mine Text me at what, 10.45 last night. Yeah, she's real got, She's got a, a, a pimple on her forehead and wanted to know if she could come in today. Now, I have already turned down paying clients that pay a lot of money to come see me. And so she wanted to know, hey, just wondering if I can pop by tomorrow. I've got this big zit on my forehead. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be seeing anybody because one... It's not worth turning my machine on, and two, it's yeah. Leave, leave, <laughs> leave, leave the, the 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 virus out of it. It's not worth it's, firing it up for a single bit. No, but two, no. so and then she's like, well, you know, is so and so are they able to see me? And it's one of my friends who I send her for injections. And I said, well, they don't have anything for there there either. So unless you have a high frequency machine, or you can get into a derm and get an injection. Um, of a steroid, then no. And she's like, oh, maybe I'll see my derm and I'm laughing my ass off. So I'm like, yeah, sure. It's Thursday night at 10.45. Now it's 11 p.m. And you're going to get in with your derm, which is usually a three-month wait tomorrow. By the time you get in there, the zit's going to be gone. No, so, you'll, you'll already probably passed away because that's so, how long it takes to get into a derm this, right now. This morning, um, I got another text from her. Oh, my God, it's like the size of a half dollar. And I just ignored it because it's like this... Okay, yes, it's inconvenient for her to have a zit on her forehead, and bangs would not look good on this person. Um, so that's not an option. Or a hat. Or a hat. But or it's a chapeau. Just like when you can do a full chapeau. chapeau. But it truly, in the scheme of full what's going mode. on, it is so minute that it's almost ridiculous. And I don't want to say to her because I don't want to offend her, you know, you're just being stupid. I just thought about this. It's like there's Depeche mode, and I could be chapeau mode. I could have my own 80s revival sort of thing called chapeau mode. Just wear hats and play like deep synth music. I don't know why I thought of that, but it was important. Yeah, let's not do that. Okay, moving right along. Um, okay, so we want to discuss. We're going to discuss home care products. We're going to ship the products to them, possibly. You can. Sh so some people are shipping them. Some are doing curbside. So what does that mean, curbside? So basically, they call you up when they get here, and I'm assuming that the person delivering is wearing PPE. Um, well, why would it, I don't get that person delivering them? The, the staff member that's taking it out there. So a curbside delivery. Well, wait a minute, though. You don't have to wear PPE if you're not if you're not ill. If someone's sick, they're not. You shouldn't be working at your practice, right? So the stuff's in a bag. The right? stuff's in a bag. You drop the bag off. Yes. Okay. Then what happens? That's it. Okay. Yeah. No one has to wear PPE for that. You don't have to wear a glove. Why would you? I don't know. What if you sneezed on your hand when you were walking out? You know, if you're symptomatic, should you be at work? No, I just thought well, sneezing I'll, isn't. No, symptomatic. that was a test question because there's five <clears throat> days, right? that you could be asymptomatic and still pass the virus. You passed, I failed. Basically, yes. Put a freaking glove off, you're gonna give a product to another person to make sure when you touch the bag, you're touching it with a glove because you don't know if you have it or not. And turn your glove inside out when you're taking it off. Take it from here and pull it yeah, we're down. We're gonna talk about PP tomorrow. Okay, because that makes me crazy. Okay, so that's 
One way we can, we can reach out to our clients, we can talk about what's going on with COVID a little bit, right? We can refer them to resources. Where are we going to refer them to? Uh, I don't know, to be honest with you. The CDC has been uh, done a decent job, but some of the stuff they're saying doesn't match up with their own science from their own studies. So I'm having a hard time with this drive-through stuff and things like that. Also, don't get tested unless you've been to China and are on a ventilator. By the time I, if I've been to China and I'm on a ventilator, I, what is the test going to help me? I pretty much know damn well I have it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. Now, if they want to further their careers, what do we do? Go to one of my online Go to one of the online classes. Remember, we got RF, aesthetic technology, healthcare professionals, 24-hour, 40-hour basic laser operator, internal microneedling, master meister microneedling. If I speak in gym and I'll call it meister microneedling. <laughs> Get to the chopper. Um, that's Austrian. That's Austrian, yes. Thank you for pointing that out. And then, of course, <clears throat> online chemical peel, right? Yes. Uh, 35% Corona coupon or mention quarantine club. Um, that pretty much ends today's podcast uh, from day one of Quarantine Club at Camp Corona. Um, tomorrow, we're going to talk about PPE. Again, you down with PPE? Yeah, yeah you know me. Very down nice. with PPE. Uh, we're going to talk about pets and SARS-CoV-2. I'm a huge, huge, I'm a huge pet lover. Love huge pets. Um, how can one get tested? kind of alluded to that and then of course uh, if you really want us to keep going you really do need to sign up for one of these courses because you'll be bored off your butt if you don't i will i'm signing off now chris is signing off we're all saying thank you for joining us during day one of club coronavirus and the quarantine club at camp coronavirus gotta get it straight here i <laughs> uh, hope you had a good time we had a wonderful time uh, i'm gonna cough my way back uh, to my house. And then tomorrow, we're going to do the same darn thing and talk about these three exciting topics. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. And if you want any more information or different information on the podcast, drop us a line. Um, we're happy to um, indulge. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you want to send questions in, since we're going to be here every day because I'm bored off my butt, I got nothing to do <laughs> besides taxes, and I really don't feel like doing that. Uh, send us questions in. We'll be happy to uh, try to answer those on air if we possibly can. Yeah. But we have an action-packed schedule already for the next at least 14 days. I hope to do this every day unless I get bored or otherwise too too ill to uh, speak, which I hope isn't the case. And um, we'll just keep on trucking. I am, by the way, I am day four of symptomatic. So I don't know what that means. If I, if I have the coronavirus, if I don't have the coronavirus, nobody knows. I just have had these weird cough symptoms for four days. Yay. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye. Ow. Thanks for listening to the Evidence-Based Aesthetics Podcast with your hosts, Kristen and Dr. Larry Group. For more discussion and information on all things aesthetic, be sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on our Instagram page. We look forward to sharing the next exciting episode of the Evidence-Based Aesthetics Podcast.